Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. Hear the Word of God as it comes to us from the Gospel of Mark. This is the oldest of the, of the four Gospels in the account of that day. Saturday evening, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Jesus, pardon me, of, of James, and Salome went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way, they were asking each other who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb. But as they arrived, they looked up and they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in white, a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked, but the angel said, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He has risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. The women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered. And they said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. God add his understanding to this hearing of his word. They were afraid. Let's face it, all of life forks toward fear or joy. With the experience at the tomb gave rise to a great deal of fear because they had no way of comprehending what they had just heard. There was no way that they could incorporate this reality that was so utterly new to them. So they left, and they were afraid. And yet that fear, of course, transformed into joy. Because Jesus, who had been with them, Jesus, who was God with us, who took on human flesh, became one of them, became one of all of us, and entered fully into the human condition. Yesterday I was working in the back patio and a couple of high school kids, for whatever reason, stopped right in front of my house. They were driving in, like an ancient Mustang, like 2000, or I mean a 2019 something Mustang. And the thing had a stick shift. Of course, no real car. When you're in high school, only real cars have stick shifts. And, and they were out front revving the engine. I think they had changed the mufflers out, so it made this big, loud racket. And I, I just kind of went over the patio and saw these two, two kids. I'm guessing they were in high school. One after another, they were just revving the engine, laughing, having a great time. And I thought, I wonder if Jesus would have done that. When he was here, if he was 18 years old, if, he was, if it was now, would he have been hanging out with a friend, goofing around, doing dumb stuff. 
Well, of course, I think he would. I think he would enter into our world, our life, fully and, and enter into it in such a way that he would bring laughter and joy and as a kid goofing around and as an adult bringing joy to those who are around him. Many years ago in South Africa, some academics thought they would try to impress some of the Bushmen from the desert. And they brought in some of the leadership, brought them in, and they were going to show these primitives, the, the miracle of modern technology. And they showed them around the lab, and they showed them a, they showed them a computer, and they thought that was they were going to be so impressed by that, and they showed them all these other things that they had in their laboratory, and then the coup de grace, they took them up in an airplane, and they flew over Saint, or Johannesburg at 30,000 feet. And after they landed, they sat down with all of these leaders, and, and the, the leaders from the bush sat down together, and they talked about what it was that most impressed them. Was it the flight? Was it the mechanical mind of the computer? What impressed them most was a water faucet. That they had water coming into their very room. Where these, these men and, and those women had to go out and capture the water and haul it home. and It was so precious to them because it was so dry so much of the year. They were so overwhelmingly touched that they had water, the source of life, right there at their disposal. See, that's how Jesus enters in. He doesn't come in with some high and mighty ideology. He doesn't come in with theology. He doesn't come in with doctrine. He comes in to our lives, understanding where we live, and gives us that which is the equivalent of water, that which we, we need the most, that which is our deepest hopes and longings, that which is our great need. So Jesus comes and, and gives that to us day in, day out, and gives more. Ultimately gives of himself, gives all of himself, pours his, his life out for us, even to the point of dying on the cross. And of course, that story, we all know. Jesus was crucified. He really, really died. Despite some of the skeptics who say that there was a resuscitation of Jesus after a flogging, after six hours on the cross, after taking a spear into the side that went into his heart, as the report is that outflowed blood and water, which means that it pierced the pericardium as well as the chambers of the heart. 
and that he would somehow be resuscitated and, and move that stone, which weighed about as much as a Toyota, moved it out of the way. The resuscitation doesn't work. The robbery of the grave, well, the women went to the tomb. And they witnessed there the reality that the tomb was was empty and that the grave clothes were there laid out. And they were fearful because they didn't know what to expect. They didn't know what this was. They had no expectation, no hope, no category in their thinking for what they had just seen for what they were experiencing. And so it was brand new. It, under, it, it undercut everything in terms of the way they think, the way they anticipate. It was utterly new. This so-called biblical scholar makes this simply a parable for newness of life and that Jesus as the king of the Jews, Jesus as the king versus the Roman Empire, he went so far as to politicize the resurrection and that this constituted sort of a first century overthrow of the Roman Empire. Or This was without precedent, without anticipation, without expectation, and nobody knew what this was. And so the women went to the disciples. And they didn't know. They also were afraid. They had scattered like rabbits at the crucifixion. And yet they were coming together and they locked the room that they were in for fear of the Jews, for fear that they were that next to be arrested. And out of their fear, they hid themselves. And then the stories occur about Jesus' appearance to them, that he appeared to some 500, and, and everything was changed. Everything was transformed in them. And what Jesus presented was himself not as he was, not a resuscitated body, but a glorified body, a body that had been transformed by the the power of God, and he was resurrected such that he could be with them and yet also gone. He could be with them and yet also up in Galilee. This reality of the, the transformed body of Jesus once again, was nothing that they could anticipate. And so they looked upon Jesus, and still they doubted. (laughs) The disciples themselves looked upon the risen Lord and still found room in their hearts to doubt. Then, after a period of time, When the disciples had had more than one occurrence with the risen Lord, and when they had received the Spirit of God, 
they went out recklessly declaring that Jesus had risen. That Jesus of Nazareth was now Jesus Christ, the Lord, the Messiah, a Messiah that they had no anticipation of. And not only that, they went out and most of the disciples died for that truth. Most of them gave their lives. They stood in front of their executioners because they were full of joy and they knew what awaited them. They knew that their Redeemer lived and that they would live with him and that gave them not just the joy but the courage, the two great values of the Christian church, joy and courage. They had the joy and the courage to to give their lives. So a ragtag band of young men gave their lives. And at the turn of the fourth century, the Roman Empire flipped and became Christian. And the story goes on and on about how people who have been transformed by the good news of Christ continue to give of themselves and, and, and have no fear of death, but live with joy. Because life does fork to fear or joy. And they live with joy. Jim Elliott was a student at Wheaton College. And he went to Ecuador to work with the Auca Indians. And he said this, he makes his ministers a flame of fire. Am I ignitable? God deliver me from the dread asbestos of other things. Saturate me with the oil of the spirit that I may be a flame. But flame is transient, often short-lived. Canst thou bear this, my soul, short life? In me there dwells the spirit of the great short-lived whose zeal for God's house consumed him. It is no sacrifice, he went on, to give something you cannot keep, to gain something you cannot lose. Jim Elliott gave his life. His wife followed him and brought the gospel once again to that Indian tribe in in Ecuador. And many came to faith because of the faithfulness of one who lived with joy. Who lived with joy. And so, the proclamation of the church is and has been that Jesus Christ is risen. And that's not to be explained away. That is a brute fact, historical reality And, of course, we can't prove it because all all of history is once-occurring events. You cannot replicate an event that has already passed. In science, you can replicate things, but in history, you cannot. Nothing can be replicated. It's a once-occurring event for all of time. But the church has proclaimed, and the, 
the church has, has given of itself up until this current century for this single reality that Jesus Christ was transformed in the grave, came forth with a glorified body, and the cells that made up his 185 pounds ascended into heaven. And that is the the core reality, the outrageous reality. And that's why sophisticated college professors can't believe it, because they're too smart. Like that scholar I read, he's just too smart for things like resurrections. Because we all know dogs, cats, and etc. Don't rise, don't rise from the dead. We, if we're so smart, we ultimately face the reality that we will live with fear. It's inescapable. And instead, to use the words of John Chrysostom, Christ is risen, and the angels rejoice. Christ is risen, and life is liberated. Christ is risen, and the tomb is emptied of its dead. For Christ, having risen from the dead, is become the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. To him be glory and power forever and ever. It took what it saw and was overcome by what it did not see. O oh, death, where is thy victory? Death, where is thy sting? Christ is risen, and you, O oh, death, are annihilated. Christ is risen. The evil one is cast down. Christ is risen. Stand. Christ is risen. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.